Well, this morning's message is a little bit different. I am just a little bit outside of my comfort zone because uh, normally I would say, hey, open up your Bibles and let's turn to, to such and such a passage and let's see uh, what God has to say to us and go through a, a passage verse by verse. And I'm not going to do that this morning, so I feel almost heretical saying that. But um, uh, we are, we're going to go to God's Word in a number of different places through, throughout t- this morning's sermon. But um, instead of looking at a particular passage, I, I really want to ask a particular question um, this morning. I think being a new church plant uh, that's here to reach a new area with, with the old, old gospel, um, I think it's a particularly relevant question for you all. Um, and I hope that the answer to the question is a particularly encouraging answer for you. Um, and that is the question, why Sunday? Why Sunday morning? Uh, in other words, for what purpose do we gather, do you gather week after week after week after week on Sunday mornings? Um, why, why, why did you come here this morning, on this particular Sunday morning? You know, what were you, what were you thinking about when you had to get up early again on another, on another Sunday morning, particularly being a new church plant, and a lot of you probably got up Particularly early because there's stuff to set up. There's, 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 you know, there's, there's sound equipment. There's, there's classrooms. There's chairs. There's just stuff that has to be done because you know, you're, you're meeting in a school. You know, what were you thinking about when you got up this morning? You know, why, why do you bother Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to show up again and again and again and again? You know, for the first 11 to 12 years of, of my life, um, going to a church service was, was virtually non-existent. We just didn't go. Um, it was random at best, um, but mostly it was non-existent. But then for the last, you know, 20 plus years of my life, gathering with the church on Sunday mornings has been, you know, really this ever-present reality in, in my life for the past, I think, like 23 years but how I and, and how you answer the question, why, you know, why do we do this every Sunday, how you answer that question, that's going to impact how you approach Sunday, how you think about Sunday. It's going to impact your attitude towards Sunday. It's going to impact how you approach Sunday. It's going to impact what you expect to happen when you show up on Sunday and the, the corporate gathering of, of Christ's body. Um, you know, I know for many of us that, that the church has had a really big place in our lives. Right? I mean, for years you've been coming, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And so it's had a really big place in, in, in your life. Um, but, but my desire this morning, and, and I do believe it's one of God's desires this morning, um, is, that, is that He would encourage us so that the church, um, and in particular, not, not just the church broadly, but, but this, this corporate gathering of Christ's body, that happens Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, that that wouldn't just have a big place in your life, but that it would have a big place in your heart. And so how you and I answer the question, why Sunday? Now that's going to make, you know, how you answer that, that's going to make a really big difference as to whether or not Sunday morning just has a big place in your life or it has a big place in, in your heart. And so the challenge, I think, with a topical message like this is that there are a lot of like good, right, biblically sound answers that I could give in order to answer the question, why Sunday morning? In fact, I could probably come up, this probably wouldn't serve you, so this is not what I'm doing, but I, I could probably come up with a 25-point, you know, biblically sound sermon in order to answer the question, you know, why Sunday morning? I could probably say a lot of things that are true regarding that question, 
So the challenge this morning is really to take all that could be said and then try to condense that down into one main, compelling, but simple, biblically sound answer that would cause us to arrive here every Sunday eager and expectant and engaged and full of faith. And unless you know something I don't, uh, I believe that that one main, compelling, but simple, biblically sound answer to the question, why Sunday, is this. To encounter the living God Himself. To encounter the living God Himself. That we gather Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to encounter the living God. Where we speak to Him primarily through our praise and He speaks to us primarily through His Word preached. That's why we gather on Sundays. We gather to encounter the living God. Where we speak to Him primarily through our praise and He speaks to us primarily through His Word Preach. Now I say primarily, that we, that we speak to God primarily through our praise and that He speaks to us primarily through His Word preached. I say primarily because there's other ways that we speak to God when we gather together Sunday. I mean, we've, we've prayed numerous times already this morning and, and, and we're speaking to God. There's, there's ways that God is going to speak to us, whether it's just personally through His Spirit or you know somebody comes up and they, they give a prophetic sense of what the Lord might be speaking. So there are other ways in which we speak to God and that He speaks to us when we're gathered together as his people but but primarily we encounter the living God primarily when we gather together on Sunday morning where we speak to him through our praise and he speaks to us through his word preached we we speak to him we we extol him and we lift up our voices and we we're declaring back to him the greatness of of who he is and what he's done and 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 we express our dependence upon him and our trust in him and our love for him because of who he is and what he's done and then He speaks to us, doesn't He? Through his, through his Word, as that Word is proclaimed and preached. And so we draw near to Him and, and He draws near to us. And, and as that exchange between us and God is happening, He's glorified and we're edified. Right? So, so we're not just singing songs, you know, trying to feel better about ourselves. And we're not just sitting and listening to a lecture and trying to glean some information and, and go through a routine. No, we're, we're gathering, brothers and sisters, to encounter the living God Himself. That's an awesome thought. To encounter God who is Father, Son, Spirit. We're gathering to encounter our Lord, our Maker, our Savior, our King, our God. So you want to boil it all down, I think, to one main, compelling, biblically sound answer. I think that's why Sunday. And, and I don't know about you, but that, that would get me here every week. If I knew I was going to encounter the living God, I think, okay, I, I'll, I'll go to that. That, that. that seems like something worth showing up to. That, that would, I'd, I'd come every week eager and expectant and engaged and full of faith if I knew that when I gather with God's people that I'm going to encounter the living God with God's people. So I want to unpack that here in just a little bit, but I, first I want to, I want to answer an objection um, because somebody might say, and I would totally get this, well, well, can I encounter the living God all by myself? You know, can, can I encounter Him all, all by my lonesome? Can't can I speak to Him and have Him speak to me by myself? Why do I need to show up Sunday after Sunday after Sunday in order for that to happen? You know, can't, can't I encounter the living God by, by myself? And I would say, 
Man, praise be to God. Yes, you can. Amen? I mean, the gospel reconciles us to God personally, doesn't it? I mean, he's given us his spirit who dwells in us personally through faith in Jesus Christ and through his spirit. We can encounter God all by our lonesome. You all right there, Ben? You got it? All right. I thought you were having a moment. Yeah, yeah, they must be encountering something. I don't know if it's God. (laughs) You all right? (laughs) All right. You know, what, what, a, what an amazing blessing it is of the gospel, right? That we, that we are reconciled to God personally and that through his spirit, I mean, that's what Peter said, that Christ died for sin once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. And so personally, we're brought into a living relationship with the living God himself because of the gospel. And yet, simultaneously, There is a way in which God uniquely encounters us and engages with us and meets us when we're gathered together as His people in a way that is unique and that is different and that is distinct and that is special. I know this is probably a review for for most of you, but a a little review never hurt anybody. And so, you know, God's Word presents Christians... Christians being those who by the grace of God have turned away from their sin and have turned to Christ in faith and, and put our trust in Him for the, for, for the forgiveness of our sins. God's Word presents us as not just individuals, but, but as a people, right? As, as, as people who have been saved into a community of, of people. That's why the church, it's, it's not a place, it's not a building, it's not a club. It's, it's a people. It, it's a body, Right? Composed of, of many different parts that are united together in Christ who, who is our head. So the church is it, it's a people. It, it's, it's a body. The church is a family. Sons and daughters of the living God. You know, brothers and sisters who have been called together into God's family by adoption through Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing that we're a people. We're a body. We're, we're God's family. So, it's, so it's, it's an inadequate, it's even an irresponsible presentation of the gospel and God's word to present salvation as, as merely or simply personal. It's much, much bigger than that. But it's even more than that. Because the Bible doesn't just present us as, as a people, but as a gathered people. As an assembled people. Because there is a way in which God uniquely meets us when we're gathered together as his people, when, when that it's, it's, it's different, it's, it's just distinct, it's, it's, it's special. Now, you might ask the question, well, why is that? <laughs> you know, well, well why, why did God do it that way? You know, why is it distinct? Why is it special? Why is it different? Why did, why did God do it that way? And, and again, there are a number of things that you could say that would be right and good and true. And so, for example, you know, in, in Hebrews, when it instructs us to, to not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, and in the context of that passage, the, the writer's encouraging us to, to not neglect meeting together because there's this, there's this preserving, protecting aspect thing that, that happens to our faith. And so don't neglect meeting together so, because it, it preserves your faith. It, it, it helps stir you on 
to, to good works when you don't neglect meeting together. In Psalm 122, it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of God. And so it seems that there's this joy that God intends to, to foster in his people when they're gathered together. And Luke chapter 4, it says it was Jesus' custom to go into the synagogue on the Sabbath to the assembly of, of the people. And so, you know, you could say that when we gather together, it's a way that we follow Jesus' example. And so, you know, you can read the Bible. Right? And you can find thing after thing after thing that, that would be you know, true and right and good as, as, as to why we, we want to gather together as, as God's people. But you're still left with this question. Why did God do it like that? You know, why, why did he design salvation in such a way that's not just about our personal faith, but it's about being called together as his people. And when we gather together, God himself uniquely meets us as his people. Why, why is that? You know, why did God do it like that? And kind of a, a head scratcher. Um, if you're a fan of the Carolina Panthers, which I don't think anybody in this room is. Um, but, see, when I originally did this, this was in Charlotte and I had a lot of people, yeah, for the Panthers. Um, if you're a fan of, of the Carolina Panthers, which I know nobody is, but just stick with me. Um, Larry, so Larry, I'm talking to you. Uh, the, the, the former coach of the Carolina Panthers was John Fox. He's now in Denver. So if you're a football fan at all, John Fox is now the coach of the Denver Broncos. But when John Fox was in Carolina, he, he had this phrase that he would use all of the time. Um, and you just knew whenever he was being interviewed by the media that eventually this was going to come out. And so he would, he would be asked, hey, you know, what do you, John, what do you think about your record right now? You know, coach, what do you think about so-and-so's injury? You know, what do you think about the new NFL rule? And, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And in, inevitably, uh, Coach Fox would just say, well, it is what it is. It, it is. What do you think about his, well, it is what it is. What do you think about your record? Well, it is what it is. You know, what do you, what do you think about life in general? Well, it is what it is. You, know, you just, you just kind of know it is what it is. And that was his favorite saying. And, and, at, and at the end of the day, here's the bottom line. God's called us as a people. And when we gather on Sunday, there is a way designed by God where he intends to uniquely meet us and engage us in a way that is just different and distinct and special than when we're not gathered together. Why? Well, in the perfection of his infinite wisdom, it is what it is. It, is, it, just, it just is what it is. And God has called us, brothers and sisters, to simply respond to that fact in faith. And to put our faith into practice by gathering together as his people week after week after week after week, believing that when we gather together as his people, he is going to uniquely and distinctly meet us in a way that is different and distinct and special. That we're going to encounter the living God himself. As we speak to him through our praise and he speaks to us through his word preached. That's how God has simply called us to respond to. It is what it is. And so let's believe God in faith and put our faith into practice. And so for the rest of this morning, that's, that's what I want to talk about. How, how do we encounter God and how does God encounter us on Sunday when we gather together as his people? Well, number one, we encounter the living God, number one, where we speak to him primarily through our praise. We, we gather together to speak to God. We, we gather together to extol him, to lift up our voice in praise and to declare back to him his worth 
and his works and his goodness and his greatness and his glory and his grace and to say to him that you are worthy of our praise, you are worthy of our trust, you are worthy of our devotion, you are worthy of our lives and we marvel at who you are and we marvel at what you have done and what you are doing and what you will do and God, we love you because of those things. See, we're not, we're not just singing songs because, hey, you know, who, who doesn't like music? You know, right? We're not just singing songs because, you know, it, it gives us a, a good feeling. Um, that's why I often listen to music because I, I like music. It gives me a good feeling. You know, there's a popular song on the radio by Flo Rida, which I'm sure everybody in this room loves and knows and has Flo Rida's albums. But it was a, the, the reason it, it struck me, because I remember when I was originally working on this, this sermon, it, it, that song... Uh, was on a, I think a car commercial. It was a popular TV car commercial. And so every time it'd come on, it's like, oh, sometimes I get a good feeling. And it's very catchy. It's like, yeah, sometimes I do get a good feeling, you know? And, and, and that, sometimes that's exactly why we like music, right? We, we like songs. We like music because we get a good feeling. And not that there's something inherently wrong with that, but it's, it's not at the heart of our singing. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not singing because the, the tunes are, 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 are catchy, you know, the, the heart of our singing is praise to God. And, and we're saying to God, God, we, we believe that you are here right now because your people are gathered together. And we believe that you're here right now in a way that is unique and different and special when your people gather together. And so we're speaking to you, God. We're, we're lifting our voices to you right now. We're coming into your glorious holy presence right now through faith and through your spirit because of what Jesus has done that allows us to come into your glorious holy presence right now. And we are lifting up our voices to you as your assembled people to bring you the praise that you are worthy of right now in this place. God, we're here for you. And, and, and out of the wonder of who you are, and out of gratitude for all that you've done and all that you are doing for us, God, we're, we're just pouring out our hearts in praise to you right now. And we believe that you're here and that you're meeting us and you're engaging with us. But that, that's a really big deal, isn't it, brothers? I mean, that, that's, a, that's a really big deal. That, that's, that's why a lot of churches throughout church history and, and, and even today, um, when, when they gather together, they, they begin with an official call to worship. You know, to, to remind everyone who is gathering the, the spiritual significance of what's about to take place, the spiritual realities of the things that are happening as, as we're gathering together to, to bring our praise to God. And, and I think the, the reason a lot of churches do that and have done that throughout church history is because Scripture itself does that. And so, you know, if you, if you listen, for example, to how the, the psalmist, you know, will call together the, the assembly of, of Israel and, and have this kind of call to worship and, and remind the assembly of Israel of, of why they are gathering together as, as God's people. Just, just listen, for example, as to, as to how this happens in Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. And know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Come, give thanks to Him. Praise His name, for the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Psalm 95, come, come. 
Let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. And then you see in the New Testament this, this, this call to worship kind of language you know, reflected even in the New Testament in passages like Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16 that, that speak of the church singing spiritual songs and, and, and hymns and psalms and, and giving thanks together as, as God's people. In fact, if you want to, what, what I think is one of the most amazing pictures in the entire Bible that is giving us the, uh, kind of a, an inside look of the reality of what is happening when the church gathers together to encounter the living God through praise, we read in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 22 through 24, it, it, it paints a picture of of our, of our present worship as we're gathered together as God's people, actually joining the worship in heaven. And so we read, But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, and to God the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Brothers and sisters, I I don't think that there is any other activity, at least I'm hard-pressed to think of any other activity that we do on a consistent basis that is more like the activity of heaven than we, when we gather to God's, gather as God's people to bring Him the praise that He is worthy of. I mean, just, just think about that. Is there any other activity that we consistently do then when we are gathered together as God's people to bring God the praise that He is worthy of, any other activity that is more like what's going on in heaven and what will go on in heaven, that, that, that's an amazing thought. That's why Matthew Henry could say, so then let every saint praise Him, but especially the congregation of the saints, for when they come together, it is more like heaven. That's awesome. Right, Brian Chapel he writes... In writing these words, speaking of the Psalms in particular and this this call to worship, in writing these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the writers of Scripture are actually speaking for God as He calls the ancient people to worship. God calls us from all other preoccupations to join the people He has redeemed in recognition, praise, and service of His omnipresent glory. God invites us God invites us by His Word to join the worship of the ages and the angels. God does not simply invite us to a party of friends or a concert of sacred music. He invites us into the presence of the King of the universe before whom all creation will bow and for whom all heaven now sings. God's people are invited to participate in the wondrous praise that already and eternally enraptures the hosts of heaven. That's an awesome thought. Brothers and sisters, were you aware of that when you got up this morning? <laughs> you know, what about when, when you went 
went to bed last night and were anticipating Sunday morning? I mean, were, were, you, were, you, were you aware of that when you came in here and, and, and the music started and, and we started to, to lift our voices? Were you aware that God himself was inviting you to put aside all other preoccupations, all other distractions? Were you aware that we were being invited into the chorus of the angels and the angels that is already enrapturing heaven? That we were being invited into the very presence of the king of the universe to join with all of heaven the worship that presently enraptures all of heaven? That, that's an awesome thought to, to just just get a little bit of taste of the eternal life that Jesus has purchased for us it, it, what, is that what you were thinking about <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it's no wonder then that the psalmist says shout for joy worship the Lord with gladness come into his gates with thanksgiving let's lift a shout to the rock of our salvation the Lord is good he's loving he's faithful enter his gates with music and with song is, is that what you were thinking? If you're like me, probably not. Like, let's be honest, there's a good chance. It's probably not what you were thinking as you were going to bed last night. Probably not what you were thinking when you first came in here. Maybe somewhere along the lines during the music, you know, at some point you, you got some semblance of thinking like that. You know, it's a good chance because this is just true for, for this is just what happens. It's just the reality of our lives. It's a good chance that what was on your mind was, was the burdens of life. Right? I mean, the, the circumstances of the past week. You know, the, 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 all, all, all the people that you knew you had to come in here and, and connect with and talk to. Okay, I can't remember. I got to, oh yeah, I need to connect with them and I got to coordinate with that person and, and do this. You know, you, maybe what you were thinking about were the kids who were just maniacs. And it's like, man, I got to get them into children's ministry. And I, hopefully they stay there because they were crazy this morning. And, you know, maybe you came in late and you kind of want, okay, where am I going to sit? And, you know, why is the music too loud or why is it too soft? And, you know, you're just kind of thinking about all kinds of, of different things, distracted from the spiritual significance of what is happening when we gather together as God's people to encounter the living God through our praise. I don't think God wants us distracted, right? He knows that we are, but He wants us to be aware that when we come in here on Sunday morning, He's saying to us, hey, I'm, I'm here. I want to engage you and meet you. And, and, and isn't God so gracious, brothers and sisters, that when we come to bring Him the praise that He is worthy of, that so often He comes and that He encourages us, as we're coming to bring Him praise, He's coming to minister to us and, 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 and put the weak circumstances back in their proper perspective. You know, to convict, to strengthen, to encourage, to, to, to meet us, to remind us of His goodness and His love and His mercy and, 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 and His faithfulness and, and His salvation. And, and as a result, what happens? He's glorified, we're edified. It's an amazing exchange that happens when His people gather together to encounter the living God. It's awesome. And, 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 and there's a lot of times we can sing, I got a good feeling. But you know what? It's for much different reasons with much deeper meaning, isn't it? It really is. And so we gather together Sunday after Sunday after Sunday as God's people to encounter the living God where we're speaking to God primarily through our praise. And then secondly, God is speaking to us primarily through His Word preached. The most important thing that happens on a Sunday morning is the faithful preaching of God's Word. 
Now, this might not be true of, of you all, but I've been around enough people to know, and I've talked to enough people to know. I don't think a lot of people actually believe that. I think when somebody says the most important thing that happens on Sunday morning is the faithful preaching of God's Word, I think sometimes there's a wave of skepticism <laughs> that just kind of washes across people. Like, like, I know it's important, but like the most important but when I say that the most important thing that happens on a Sunday morning is the faithful preaching of God's word, I'm not saying that as a preacher looking for some appreciation. In fact, the importance of the sermon has absolutely nothing to do with the preacher and it has everything to do with the authority and the power that is inherent in God's own word. Everything to do with that. And moreover, the fact that through the agency of human preaching and to the degree that that preaching is faithful to God's word, it's God who's speaking. It's God who speaks to us. So we gather on Sunday mornings to encounter the living God and through our praise, we're primarily speaking to God, but through his word preached, God is primarily speaking to us. As Donald Whitney writes, we normally think of worship, that is the singing time, as something we do, and since the preaching is done by the preacher and not by us, many of us fail to think of preaching as worship, but listening to preaching is something you do, and it is an act of worship when you listen with an eager mind and a responsive heart. And here's the main sentence. The reason it is an act of worship is that you are listening to God speak through His Word. Now, I can tell you as a preacher, like, that puts the fear of God in me. <laughs> That's why after 14 years of doing this, I still get butterflies. I'm still nervous every single time I step up to preach God's Word. It doesn't matter if I'm in a youth meeting or a college meeting or a Sunday morning. Like That thought puts, puts the fear of God in me. You, 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 you listen, or you should listen, I hope, not because of anything particular about me or Larry or anybody else who ever stands up in this pulpit. The only reason you should ever listen to any of us is only insofar as what we speak to you is true according to God's Word. It's the only reason. So there, there's no reason to listen to me or to anyone else for any other reason. It is only because of the authority in God's Word that any of us have any authority to say anything to you about God or about your life. Because the, the power and the authority resides in God's Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, familiar verse, declares, For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 4, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That the reason you don't just live on bread is because there's, there's, there's life that can be imparted through the very word of God. That there's this inherent power and authority to, to give life. Jesus said in John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And then, and then in John 8, he would say that if you abide in my word, you will know that truth and the truth will set you free. And so there is this power and authority to sanctify and to set free that is found in God's word. You know, you, you go to Psalm 119, right? Longest psalm in the Bible. A lot of it, so much of it is all about God's Word. And so you, you read Psalm 119 and it speaks to thing after thing after thing after thing that God's Word has the power and the authority to do in your life. So 
For example, God's word guides my way, verse 5. Purifies my life, verses 6 and 7. It removes anything false in me, verse 9. Produces reverence for God, verses 12 through 16. It increases my courage, verse 46. It comforts me in afflictions, verse 50. It guards me from panic, verse 61. It teaches me discernment, verse 66. It cultivates patience, verse 87. It revives me spiritually, verse 93. It increases my understanding, verses 98 and 99. It creates a joyful heart, verse 111. It sustains me when I feel helpless, verse 116. It enables me to love what is right and to hate what is wrong, verse 128. It causes me to walk in the truth, verse 129 and 130. It fills me with delight even in the midst of difficulty, verse 143. It teaches me to pray, verse 149. It rescues me when I'm defenseless, verse 153. It fills me with praise and with peace, verse 164. And it brings me back when I go astray, verse 170. I mean, thing after thing after thing. I mean, you don't even try to write down everything I just said. There's no way you did. Some of you are going crazy right now. I mean, there's, there's this power and there's this authority that's just inherent in the Word of God to save and to sanctify and to set free and to transform and to nourish and to feed and to build up and, 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 to, and to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. You want to know God You want to love God? You want to trust God? You want to serve God? You want to honor God? You want to be more like Jesus? Well, you got to know who He is. You got to know what He has to say. And unlike any other place on earth, this is where He has uniquely revealed those things to us. But, (laughs) kind of a switch, the point that I particularly want to make this morning, it's not simply the inherent authority and power of God's Word to do all those things. But Scripture testifies again and again and again the unique way in which, is, in, in which it is the Word of God preached, the Word of God proclaimed, that God uses to do those things in a way, again, that is distinct. It's different. It's special. So, for example, that's why Mark tells us that the first thing Jesus did when He began His ministry was to preach. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Luke tells us in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, that Jesus said, I must preach because for this purpose I have been sent. That's why Matthew tells us in Matthew chapter 10 that when Jesus sent out his disciples to minister in his name, he said to them, as you go, preach. And then Peter would later testify in Acts chapter 10 that Jesus had commanded us to preach to the people. And so, it's why Acts chapter 2, verse 42, tells us that the early church was devoted to the apostles' teaching. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ and how can people hear unless someone preaches? It's why Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that the message of the cross, the message of the cross is the power of God unto salvation but since the world through its wisdom did not know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who would believe. Later, he would tell the Corinthians again in 2 Corinthians that he did not peddle the word of God for profit and that he did not distort the word of God, but that he preached the word of God plainly for their eternal benefit. That's why Paul told the Ephesians, 
Ephesians chapter 1, that they were included in Christ when they heard the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation. And then later in Ephesians chapter 4, it's why he told them that God had given some to be pastors and teachers so that through the word taught that they would be, that, that they would be conformed in the image of Jesus and brought into the full measure of God. And so why he told the Colossians, Colossians chapter 1 verses 25 and 29 that God had called him to make the word of God fully known and to preach Christ the hope of glory him we proclaim so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's why he asked the Colossians to pray for him at the end of that letter in chapter 4 verse 3 that God might open a door for us to preach the gospel of Christ. He told the Thessalonians to stand firm on the teachings passed on to them. That's why he told Timothy very familiar passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, that the sacred writings are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and is useful or profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent and equipped for every good work. We know that passage, right? Very familiar passage. Do you know the very next verse? Can anybody kind of then jump to the logical conclusion of where Paul is going? What's the very next verse? Keep reading. I charge you then in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and by his kingdom preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. So what's the point of Paul telling Timothy that the scriptures are able to make one wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, that all scripture is God-breathed, that it is profitable and able to train the man of God for every single good work that God would ever call him to. What's the point of, of Paul telling Timothy that? And so he could then tell him, preach it. If that's what it is, if it's breathed out by God, if that's what it does, it makes people wise for salvation through faith in Jesus and then equips them for every single thing God would call them to. If that's what it is and that's what it does, preach it. Preach it. Preach it. You want, you, you, want, you want the church to thrive, to be strong, to grow, to bear the image of its Savior? Preach the word. Preach his word. Preach his word, Timothy. You want people to come to salvation through the only means possible <laughs> through Jesus Christ in him and faith alone? Here's what you do, Timothy. Preach the word. Preach the word. You want to help God's people to grow and not fall away from the faith? Preach the word, Timothy. Preach the word. See, I'm, I'm, I'm intentionally belaboring this point. Some of you are tired. I'm, I'm, I'm belaboring example, uh, scripture after scripture because here, I want every single person in this room to be utterly convinced and not just convinced, honestly, but amazed. Amazed by how God has always used preaching to accomplish his purposes on earth and in our lives. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, think back to your own life and, and, and the significant things that have happened in your own walk with the Lord, how, how, how preaching has, has impacted those things. I mean, I still remember July 3rd, 1997, Celebration Mid-South, C.J. Mahaney, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. I thought I understood the gospel before them. I, I, was, I was devastated after that. It, 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 was, it started the process of, of, of the Lord getting after me in, in college. I was a between my freshman and sophomore years in 1997. And I still remember it. And I'm sure there are thousands of sermons I've heard that the Lord was doing work. I, I'm just not even aware of everything the Lord was, was, was building into me. And so just think, whether it was 
the prophets of the Old Testament, Jesus in the Gospels, Peter, Paul in, in the New Testament, you know, and even throughout the history of the church, you know, whether it's the Reformation in Europe or the Great Awakening in America, all of those things have been attended by the faithful proclamation of God's Word. And brothers and sisters, when we're gathered here on Sunday morning, there is a way in which we uniquely encounter the living God as He speaks to us through His Word, through the public, faithful, Spirit-empowered preaching of His Holy Word. Again, Donald Whitney, he writes, The mere presence of the Bible on the planet does not communicate its message. God also has a plan of proclamation. And for reasons known only to Himself, it's another it is what it is situation. For reasons known only to Himself, He has determined that He would reveal Himself to people that we would encounter him and he would speak to us when we were gathered as people, that God would reveal himself to people through his word by means of preaching. And I love this. Therefore, preaching is always relevant no matter what the majority of people think in any given culture or at any given point in history because it is God's idea. <laughs> I love that. Now, brothers and sisters, were you aware of that when you came in here this morning? Now, did you anticipate that when you went to bed last night and you had to get up extra early again? You were on the setup team and you had to get all this up and running and operational and doing what it was supposed to do. Did, did you think, man, can't wait because God's going to speak to me. God's going to be there. God's going to address us today. God, God, God is calling his family together and he's got something that's on his heart that he wants, to, he wants to say to us. He wants to say to me. He's gonna tell me something about himself and about who he is and about what he's done and about what he's doing and about what he will do and, and what he's called me to do in light of who he is and what he's done and what he's doing. And he's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna be here, present, uniquely in that amazing kind of a kind of a way. I mean, that, that's an awesome thing. Now, do you do you believe that? Believe that? You know, as I was preparing the sermon originally, uh, I remember I had a, I just had this this picture. Um, you know, as as a dad, I've got uh, I've got four kids, uh, eight and under. And, you know, sometimes as a dad and, and, and you're, you're, you're talking to them, you know, you're always in, interacting with and talking to your kids and trying to instruct them. And uh, th- th- sometimes there's those moments where you realize that y- you've got something that you think is really important that you want to say to them. And so instead of talking to them all individually, it's going to go find that one. I'll say that to that one. Okay, where's the other one? Okay, let me go say that to them. So instead of trying to talk to them individually, there's just those times where you just want to call them all together. It's like, all right, we're, everybody stop what you're doing. Like, come here to dad. Let's just, you just, you just want to get them all together so that they're all looking at you and they're all hearing what you're saying all at the same time. You know, because, 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 because I love them. You know, and, 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 and I, want them, I want them to live. I want them to not be fools. I want them to be wise. I want them, I want them to do what's right. I want them to do what's good. And, and, and there's just times I just, okay, gang, let's, dad's got something to say and I want you all here right now looking at me at the same time. I want to make sure we're all on the same page about this. I want you to hear what I'm saying all together, same words, same time, same message, together. And as I was preparing this sermon, I, I, just, I just had this picture of, of God as our Heavenly Father all calling us into this place as His children and, and, and saying to us, you know, just like a dad, 
All right, everybody, come here. <laughs> everybody, come here. I've, I've got something to say. <laughs> I've got something that I need to say to you because I'm your father, and I love you, and I want you to live, and I want you to thrive, and I want you to grow, and I want you to do good. I want you to experience what's good. And, and so I, I need to get everybody here together. I need everybody listening to me at the same time. I've got something to tell you. I want, I want to make sure you're hearing the same message, the same time, in the same place, so we're on the same page together. We're all, we all know where we're going together, right? And as a dad, he, 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 he calls us together to, to, to speak to us like that as his children. Is, is, that, is that how you envision God postured toward you on a Sunday morning? As this, this loving father says, all right, all my kids are together. I, I got something I need to tell them. I love them. I love them. And I want them to hear from me. All together. Family meeting. Let, let's just do this. I could speak to you by yourself and you by, but you know, and there's times I do that because I'm a dad and dads talk to their kids individually, but sometimes I just need to get you all together. Is that how you posture God when you come in on Sundays? See, I said at the beginning that for many of us, you know, coming here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday has, has had a big place in our lives for a lot, a lot of years. I believe God wants it to have a big place, not just in our lives, but in, in our hearts. In our hearts. How, 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 do, how do we see God postured when we're coming in here on Sundays? Well, what are we anticipating? What are we expecting? Do we, do we expect to encounter the living God? As we speak to Him through our praise and, and He speaks to us through His Word proclaimed. And He's so good, doesn't He? I mean, we, we, we come to Him and yet He comes to us. <laughs> There's that exchange, this awesome exchange. He's glorified, we're edified. He's, he's calling us to join together from all other distractions, all other preoccupations. He's inviting us to join with the chorus of the angels and the ages. It's an amazing thought through our praise. And then he invites us to, to sit, at his, sit at his feet as, as his children because he's eager to speak to us as his father. And he wants to, he wants to engage us and, and, and speak to us and talk to us so that he can save and sanctify and set free and sustain us and mature us and encourage us and strengthen us so that as his beloved children, when we go out those doors, we've met with him. We go out to live for him, to represent him, to be on mission for him as disciples of Jesus Christ who bring glory to his holy name. That's why Sunday. Let's close with final words from J.I. Packer. He says, We must never, therefore, let our Sundays become mere routine engagements. In that attitude of mind, we shall trifle them away by a humdrum formality. Every Sunday is meant to be a great day. <laughs> a great day. Why is it meant to be a great day? Because we're gathering to encounter the living God. Every Sunday is meant to be a great day and we should approach it expectantly in full awareness of this.